Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Emerging Eve, where we will focus on unraveling the difficulties in the midst of our journey and move toward forward progress. This program is not meant to replace any form of therapy, and you are encouraged to seek out a mental health professional if necessary. I'm your host, Keisha, and you are tuned into the Bachelor News Radio Network. Feel free to call 646-929-0130 or send questions to the chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash LA-Bachelor. Also, you can send um, questions, input, comments, uh, anytime throughout the week as well as during the show to Emerging E, all one word at gmail.com. Also, take time to look up Emerging Ease on Facebook. There is a Facebook group you can participate in. Feel free, feel free. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about developing peace of mind and personal peace. So kind of preparing yourself on what to do to get to a better place for you. Because, I mean, overall, Uh, you have to be in a better place for you to be able to receive the positive things out of life. Because right now, um, we see a lot of things on news, on hear a lot of things on radio, uh, see a lot of things in just our everyday lives that are stressful. And so in order to be able to manage that stress in an appropriate, more healthy way, uh, we need to be at peace with self. And uh, so first, I kind of want to give the definition of what peace is. Um, Peace, as the definition of in Webster's is, freedom from disturbance, tranquility. Oh, my gosh, tranquility. That's a big word. I would love to be able to say I'm living a tranquil life. But freedom from disturbance, that does not mean disturbance, which is stress, does not happen, though. Stress does happen. Stress will happen. Stress is part of life. We've already talked about a few weeks back what distress is and what you stress is. So positive stress and negative stress will always be. However, the disturbance part is freedom from disturbance. When negative stress comes into your path, you don't have to react to it. The thing is to identify a way to respond to it. And that response is what gives you peace. Because if you're constantly in reaction mode, you'll constantly be in a state of anxiety, possibly, panic, um, overthinking, uh, overreacting, indulging in negative interactions with other people, including negative relationships. But we're not going to talk about that today, not the negative relationship part. We'll get back to that, though, because we kind of touched on that last week when we talked about uh, dealing with toxic family and friends. Um, also, I wanted to talk to you about, give you the, the outline of what uh, peace of mind is. So peace of mind is a mental state of calmness or tranquility. There's a tranquil word again, a freedom from worry and anxiety. 
when we look at uh, freedom from worry and anxiety, I want to talk to you about um, my personal theory and things that I tell clients that I work with all the time. In order to get to a different state of mind, uh, a different lifestyle, a different uh, type of journey on, on your you know, life's journey, you have to make a lot of decisions. You have to make choices. You have to make choices that you feel are going to be in the best interest of you. Now, many people will say, well, that's selfish. That is not selfish. Um, when you make decisions that are better for you, meaning it's lessening, lessening your mental stress, your emotional stress, your physical stress, and enhancing um, your spiritual life, then you're doing something that actually has a ripple effect on not just the people who are immediately in connection with you, but everyone you encounter. So when you are in a mental calmness or in a calmness in life, you're at peace, you're in, you're tranquil, um, it doesn't mean that everything is always going right either. Everything's not always going your way, but it's about the response, okay? Um, I think I touched on this last week. I, I want to get back to that and reiterate it a little bit. There's a difference between response and reaction. Response is going to support calmness. It's going to support uh, your tranquility, your inner tranquility, your mental tranquility. Now, reaction is going to support worry, anxiety, and panic, okay? When you are in a state of response, what that means is it's not saying that, well, I'm anticipating something negative and horrible is going to happen, and therefore I have to have a plan A through triple Z. That's not what that's saying. What it's saying is here's a situation that does not look like it's going to be a positive. Let me think about what my response is going to be and make the agreement with myself that I'm okay with what my response is going to be. For one, I need to make sure the response is healthy for me, healthy for those involved, and is not something that's going to create a consequence that I uh, do not or would not like to deal with, okay? So when you're looking at how is this going to impact me, how is it going to impact other people, not just those people immediately involved, put people down the line because everything we do has a ripple effect. And then what do those consequences look like? The consequences are going to be any and everything that is um, something that will cause you to have to do a little bit extra work that is unwanted. Sometimes a reward, which is a positive, something that you actually want to happen from it. Uh, when that happens, you may still have a little extra work to put into it, but the thing with the reward is you're more open to that. So if someone tells me, hey, Keisha, because you had this positive interaction with me and, you know, you helped me through my day, here I'm going to go ahead and give you a million dollars, but you got to drive over to Kansas to pick the money up. Hey, that's a reward. I don't mind doing the work of driving from here to Kansas. I sure will do it every day, all day. I want my money in small bills, though, right? <laughs> so we have to be mindful of ways to be in response mode at all times. 
Now, there are times where we're in situations where it's those unexpected things, like people driving horribly, people interacting with you horribly in public, just people being difficult in general. With those, you still have the ability to be in response mode. It just is going to cause you to think quicker and make quicker decisions about what you want that outcome to be, what the consequences of your actions will be, how they'll impact you, and how they'll impact people around you. Also, being mindful that if you're interacting with someone, as we talked about last week and the week before, toxic people, period, and dealing with toxic people, you know usually their interaction is going to be self-serving for them. And that toxicity, you have to decide to put a limit on that. And you can choose to put a limit on someone else's toxicity, and that's done by determining how you choose to interact with them, how you allow them into your space, and not just your physical space, but your mental space, your emotional space, your spiritual space. When we allow people into our spaces, the thing is it's very easy to get people out of your physical space. I mean, you just get up and leave. However, if you really think about it, people can occupy your mental space for years. That's when people start to hold grudges because they keep rethinking and rehashing and rethinking and rehashing. That person is occupying space in your brain, in your thoughts, as well as emotional space because those same negative feelings keep picking up and keep coming out and keep being exposed. And that, and because there's no time or no focus on pushing that out, it's, it's a constant space holder, okay? Um, with being able to identify your tranquility on all levels, because I always speak to all of, all of you guys about the physical, the mental, emotional, and spiritual. Those four areas in your life are very important to make sure you're, you're reinforcing your uh, peace, your tranquility. That's my new word for this week, I think, tranquility. I like that. That's, that's, that's very peaceful. You say that, you're going to be at peace. peace. Um, with developing your peace and peace of mind, we have to look at uh, some strategies, some things to look at um, that will help you refocus and rethink how you interact with others, how you allow them to interact with you. The thing with um, that I was saying earlier about freedom and peace and tranquility, um, also I, I touched on it just a little bit and I want to go back to it, is the fact that it's always a choice. That means it's an action. That means you don't just do it once and it lasts forever. It's something you have to constantly walk in and work on and first focus on. Uh, when you walk in it and you focus on it, you see nothing but that peace and tranquility that you are looking to maintain over time. So then it also helps you stay in response mode instead of reaction mode because reaction mode is where you're, you're either in constant worry or constant anxiety. And anxiety, I want to kind of put it on the table to get a better understanding, is not this feeling nervous, walking around jittery all the time. Anxiety can also present itself in anger outbursts. It can present itself in shutting down mentally, emotionally, physically, not saying anything to people. They're saying all kinds of negativity towards you, and you're just kind of sitting there and dealing with it. But on the inside, everything is tensed up and knotted up. 
that's also a form of how anxiety can be expressed. So we need to be very, very, very mindful to put in the purposeful interactions, the purposeful thoughts, the purposeful maintenance that we need to do as individuals um, to look at, focus on, and work toward peace and peace of mind. Um, with uh, the things to kind of develop an inner peace and be able to enjoy life in a different way, um, there are many, many ways to do that. Some people will say, oh, well, I just ignore everything. That's really not healthy to just say, well, if I don't like it, I just ignore it. Because if you don't find a way to deal with things, um, that doesn't mean that it goes away. Sometimes it can intensify. Because if a person is interacting with you in a way that you don't like and all you do is ignore it, what that tells them is this is okay to continue, so I'm going to keep doing this. This feels all right to me. They're not saying anything about it. And so then in their continuation, um, you get frustrated, and then you begin to internalize, and therefore it begins to take away from your own personal peace, your own uh, ability to to walk in peace in your life outwardly. And we need to really be focused on any and everything to pull us back in to uh, to our peace and not just ignore people. Some people, yes, of course, if it's a stranger and they're just being rude and discourteous, of course, okay, you can ignore them because you may not encounter them again. However, if you do, then, of course, make sure in the best, most constructive way possible, you address the concern, but with a person that may be a family member, um, a friend, a significant other, address that in a way that you can let that person know, hey, this is bothersome to me because of this. This is how it makes me feel. This is how it impacts my thoughts. This is how it impacts the way I view you even. Because sometimes people can interact with us in such a difficult way that it changes our view of them. And therefore, the way we think about interacting with them becomes um, a lot more jagged and rigid and, and difficult. And the thing is, we're trying to focus on, especially in this time that we're in, and just life period, to have the, the most peaceful, forward-focused uh, lives we can have. Um, I am going to uh, let you guys know that um, on Friday night at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, that is Featured Album Friday uh, on the Bachelor News Network. Um, you can listen this coming Friday from 5 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our Featured Artist of the Week, which is Teddy Pendergrass. Listen for 30 minutes to Teddy Pendergrass at the Bachelor News Network, excuse me, at the bachelornews.airtime.pro, um, which is exclusively on Bachelor News Radio Network. So make sure you tune into that. Teddy Pendergrass is the business, as we all know. Uh, he'll yell at you a little bit, but he gets his point across. It's a... Uh, Maybe it's his way of getting to his personal peace, maybe, personal peace of mind. Well, as we continue, I want to remind you that you're listening to Emerging Ease with Keisha on the Bachelor News Radio Network. If you have any questions, feel free to call in at 
three, excuse me, 646-929-0130. And you can send questions to the chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash LA-Bachelor, as well as you can email emergentease, uh, all one word, at gmail.com. Also look at the, look up the Facebook group, Emerging Ease. Um, you'll see my caricature there, awesome caricature. So we'll continue, and um, at this point, we'll start to talk about uh, what to do to start to work toward personal peace. So one of the first things that's super important is identify what you can control in your life. There are many things we can control. There's many things we cannot control. Those things we can control are usually the things that we're putting out, our output, or the things we can control. The way we manage our time, we can control that, okay? Some things may come up that are unexpected, but overall, the majority of your day, you can figure out and and, uh, manage your time in an appropriate way. By paying attention to the things you can control, it helps lessen uh, anxiety and the opportunity to worry. If you've already put it out there like, okay, I have these five things to do today. I'm going to put this time aside for this, this time aside for that, and so on. Then what you do when you are able to knock those off, you're actually checking off small goals in your day. So when you check one off, you actually reinforce, oh, shoot, I got that one done. I know I got this next one. By the time you get to that fifth one, you see four check marks. The fifth one is is easy peasy. Because you've already done four of the five things you have. Now, the thing is, with that, be mindful. Don't keep adding stuff to the bottom of the list. I even had to remember not to do that. Um, It looks like I have a question come in from Sandy. Let's see what Sandy is asking. Um, Sandy is asking, intentional breathing, is it a way to develop personal peace? Intentional breathing is an exercise that you can do that helps, for one, help your mind, helps clear your mind because you're getting more oxygen in. Intentional breathing is awesome, okay? You're getting more oxygen in, and when you're focusing on your breathing, it takes your mind off of the things that you're worried about or stressed about or anxious about. So it allows your thoughts to refocus. Therefore, it calms down your emotions. And it gives you that time to process what your response instead of your reaction will be. So, yes, Sandy, intentional breathing is a way to reinforce personal peace. I encourage people, don't just wait until you get into the middle of a situation and you're like, hold on, let me go uh, do some intentional breathing. Do it throughout the day, all the time. Even if you feel calm, just give yourself about 30 seconds or so do some deep breathing. Some people call it square breathing. Some people call it uh, metered breathing. Um, as Sandy referred to it as intentional breathing, breathe in until you your, your lung space fills up. Hold it for a few seconds. Let it out through your mouth slowly. And then focus on your breath as you breathe in, hold it, breathe out, hold it, breathe in, hold it, breathe out, hold it. You, you do that because when you're focused on the way the, the air fills your lungs and how your body feels, how your muscles begin to relax, what you actually end up doing is helping yourself ground yourself as well, which is a way to work against anxiety as well and panic. So that was an awesome question, Sandy. Thank you. 
Um, another time, another thing to do for personal peace and peace of mind, spend time in nature. I encourage folks all the time, get outside. Even during uh, when I was doing face-to-face sessions, because now I'm uh, pretty, about 99.9% virtual, um, I encourage people to always, hey, let's go on a walk during session even. Let's go outside. Let's experience some, some form of nature. Nature is very tranquil and peaceful because if you notice, um, as I redirected a few uh, clients once, that tree that we're looking at, you know, if you stand there and look at a tree, the leaves will blow in the wind, may blow harder depending if a storm is coming in, but that tree is unmovable. It's not going to ever react to you. Matter of fact, this response is going to be minimal. Uh, the leaves will move, but it's not moving. It's very stable. Even to watch the squirrels play or watch birds fly, watch the clouds float by. As children, we used to do that kind of stuff all the time. We'll lay outside and watch the clouds float by and say, oh, that looks like a boat. That looks like a person. That looks like a took our minds off of, hey, I'm going to get in trouble because I didn't wash the dishes. Or, you know, I'm kind of bored, but it was our entertainment at the time. Maybe it's just me because I'm from the country, but I think pretty folks did that part too, watching the clouds. Get outside. Enjoy the fresh air. Go on. I, I don't encourage you to go on a hike if you're not a hiker. If you don't like nature and you don't do nature well, stay in the city nature. <laughs> don't go out and find the woods somewhere and end up coming across uh, animals that you're not used to. But get out there and, and, and tune in to the things around you. Watch watch the clouds float by. Feel the breeze on your skin. Smell what the trees and the flowers smell like. Um, touch a rock or if you're by a river or something, put your hand in the water. Let the water run across your hand. Experience what that is. Because also what that is, again, is grounding. You're experiencing your environment with all of your senses. Listen to what the crickets sound like or the lotus or the birds or whatever is in the background, dogs barking. Listen to those things. Use all of your senses and tune into those senses one at a time. Another uh, way to uh, begin to, in your life, is be true to yourself. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back, just in case you didn't hear me. Be true to yourself. Being true to yourself means that you um, decide what really representation of yourself you choose to have. You choose to live according to your values. Now, the, the thing with this is being true to yourself should not ever be hurtful to another person. So um, when you're being true to yourself, it's not to say that, oh, if I, you know, just decide to live life and snap back at everybody, that's just the way I'm being true to me. No, that's being hurtful to someone else with the attempt of trying to find inner peace. And that's not how any of that works. With being true to yourself, that means you make decisions for yourself that are important to you, that are helpful to you, and that are not hurtful to others. Um, mind what you eat. What are you eating? Many times we don't realize that food can be our worst enemy, not just because of weight, but because of the way our body is reacting to the things in the food. 
yeah, I'm not a vegan, but I do eat vegan food every now and again because I know I need extra vegetables because I don't eat enough because I love meat. Meat is my friend, and I'm not trying to make an enemy of meat right now in my life. But I encourage you to be thoughtful about what you eat, why you're eating it, how you eat it. We all know that deep frying everything is not healthy, so take some of that out of your life. Find another way to eat uh, more vegetables, more fruits, um, things that don't have a lot of preservatives in them, so not a whole lot of canned stuff. Think about it like this. Um, we often talk about our ancestors um, and, like, wow, you know, people even back in slavery or back in the, you know, olden times, even past before slavery, they just, they lived for forever. How did they do that? Well, look at what they ate. They they didn't have canned anything. They didn't have... Um, Anything that was processed or you could go through a drive-thru, you couldn't drive your horse or your donkey or your mules or something and grab anything fast. Everything took time to be prepared. Everything took time to be cooked. Um, everything took time to even sit and eat. And in today's world, we eat so fast that sometimes you eat stuff and you don't even really taste it. And that's why we end up overeating, which I'll get to that in a whole different segment. But be mindful of what you eat. If you realize that you're stressed out and you're going for certain snack foods, which I'll address this to at another uh, segment, and you're going to certain snack foods that may be either extra sweet, extra chewy, um, extra salty, anything like that, that could be because you're seeking certain things in life, but you're actually eating them um, because of the way your body receives them. So we'll talk about eating here uh on another segment. Another thing, exercise on a regular basis. Now, with a regular basis, let me be clear, because I know I was a word for it. That does not mean every January 1st of every year, I'm going to go exercise, I'm going to go jogging, I'm going to go running, I'm going to go lift some weights. Well, January 1st, and came and gone, okay, well, I'll see you all next January 1st. Regular exercise every week. Do something. It doesn't have to be um, extreme. You don't have to almost pass out or uh, lose your lunch when you're working out, but do something. Get up in the morning and go walking before you go to work or before you get uh, ready for your day. Uh, if you are a runner or used to be a runner, try that again. Um, do yoga. Do Tai Chi. Do something. Um, when that blood flow is going, we talked about this a few weeks ago, then it reinforces um, uh, dopamine production, and that is the pleasure uh, chemical that your body produces. And then that's when people say, well, you know, I just love to go exercise. I feel so much better. That The dopamine as well as the oxygen levels that are increasing makes your brain function better. Uh, allows your body to process things a lot better, food included. And when you're able to do that, then then you have a certain amount of, of added uh, uh, stats onto your teeth. Because especially when you're out walking in nature, yes, do that. You're knocking out two birds with one stone, for lack of a better, <laughs> for lack of a better term. 
But, yes, go do that. Do that for yourself. Something else is do something for somebody else. And I am not saying do something and then take a picture of it and put it on Facebook. Do something because, hey, I know this would be helpful to someone. Right now we have um, a lot of people facing uh, the crisis of uh, maybe losing housing, uh, paying bills. If there's a reputable organization that you know about, donate some, uh, some amount of money. Donate some time. They have all types of organizations in whatever city or state you're in that you can help uh, by volunteering hours to go help someone paint their house or repair their fence or whatever, especially for elderly people. Do something for someone else. That, uh, again, for one, reinforces personal peace, but it also reinforces gratitude that I am thankful that I can even give to someone, help someone else that's you know, in a position that may be worse off than me. And then to even see that person's position and say, well, you know, I'm thankful that I'm not in that position, but that I am in a position to be a help to someone else. Something else that is very important uh, before I close, I don't want to talk about being assertive. Be open and upfront with what, with what you need and desire of others. Because if you never open your mouth to say anything, nobody knows. And now you're frustrated because the, the, the thinking starts saying, well, they should have known that I wouldn't like that. If you never said you didn't like that, how are they supposed to know? I'm a therapist, and I'm, I'm not psychic. I mean, I'm just saying most of us, most people really aren't. So you have, we have to look at um, letting people know what we need, what we don't like, what we, what we want we expect. So then that way, if those expectations cannot be met or those needs cannot be fulfilled, then we understand what's going on and that, you know, maybe those needs uh, can be fulfilled in, in other ways. Or maybe we can find uh, that we that's not really a need, it's really a want. So kind of looking at that. Well, you all, I want to uh, thank you for tuning in today. Um, I hope that today's discussion has been and will continue to be helpful to your journey in, uh, in life and that you enjoyed listening to Emerging Ease with me, Keisha, on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Tune in next week. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you for taking such a time as this to participate in your personal improvement with Emerging Ease. I'm Keisha, your host. Remember that in everything, there's an opportunity to learn and grow. If you are experiencing a difficult time, please reach out to the National Crisis Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. And I look forward to hearing from you next week on Emerging Ease with Keisha. Yeah.
welcome, 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 welcome again to another edition of the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network on WCLM in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, on WCLM in Richmond, Virginia, IBM TV, and of course, TuneIn.com, iTunes, we're all over the place, uh, Big Mind Entertainment, you can watch the show um, on video as well on Big Mind Entertainment, on Amazon TV, on your Fire Stick or your Roku as well. I'm L.A. Bachelor. We thank you so very much for joining us. Uh, you could be doing anything else in the world, but you decided to tune in with us, and we certainly appreciate you. The way to get in touch with us is 646-929-0130, the number to dial in. You can make your thoughts known there, blogtalkradio.com forward slash L.A. hyphen bachelor uh the chat room is open also at our website live right now is on delay um, you know how the online works uh the bachelor news dot airtime dot p r o the bachelor with a t news dot airtime dot pro i want to go to the phones and um bring back in she just finished her her show emerging ease uh, with uh, Lakeisha that, uh, of course, airs every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern uh, time, and I appreciate her coming on here. And I wanted to bring, Keisha, I wanted to bring you back in. I appreciate your patience staying on the line because, um, first, your topic of, about developing personal peace and and those standards, you know, having that peace of mind, fits into what I wanted to discuss with you anyway, which was mental illness or mental stress that we've seen so many athletes now um, express. We've seen athletes now, and these today's athletes are using their platform to fight against racism or sexism or social uh, other social issues, and they're speaking out and using their influence to do that. And now we have other athletes in that same vein that are talking about the stress that they go on. And recently, uh, Simone Bias, who is arguably uh, the greatest gymnast in American history in the Olympics and and, in American uh, history, uh, even before these Tokyo Olympics, basically said she needed to take a mental break. First, it was reported that she had personal reasons for doing it. And then she said she had some mental exhaust that, um, you know, she she was in the air. She she literally said she was flipping in the air and forgot where she was. Now, that's not only dangerous, that that's a sign. So when you talk about the personal peace that people need to have to avoid being there, you being a therapist that you are, licensed therapist, you know, why would anybody want to criticize this woman? Not only because um, she's taking a break for her, and again, even before Tokyo, she's the greatest of all time at that that sport, um, but she's looking at the team. I can't help the team. If I'm not right, I'm going to hurt the team. So she's not only helping herself, she's being selfless and making sure she doesn't hurt the team at the same time. So talk about that, please. Yeah. Um, I think it was awesome that she had the um, the wherewithal to say, I need to, to step out 
for myself as well as the impact I'm having on others. Uh, one thing I think is very important that uh, she's, she's given the example to other people, uh, especially women, um, to understand sometimes as people, because we're not supposed to be able to do it all, we do need to identify, hey, I need to step back for me. There's nothing I can do that's going to help anyone else if I fall apart because I'm trying to do it all. Um, when she stepped back as well, we have to look at many times people look at athletes or people that are in uh, public positions as uh, Ms. Biles is, and we don't realize these are people. She has had so much going on in her life outside of just the Olympics, and I don't mean to make the Olympics sound like a light feat, but, you know, we have to realize that uh, my husband and I were talking about it yesterday. She, her brother was just acquitted for murder charges. How many folks were really in, in, in life without the Olympics kind of said, hey, I need to go take a sit down and get my thoughts together. My brother, my sibling, someone that I grew up with was just on trial for murder. So for her to say, I need to take time for me, that is so important. Um, and I think it, it gives us all an understanding to put put yourself up there. You you matter. Go ahead. Right, and and you think about it too, Lakeisha. Not only the situation with her brother, but um, from the sports world, people that don't know from the sports world, she went to a college where the gymnastic coach was indicted and charged with sexual assault. So she has been sexually molested and, 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 and degraded and she still performed. She still put that stuff to the side. She still had the mental strength and fortitude to keep doing it. I don't know how she could, God bless her. But when you see stuff online, I've seen these idiots and really it's, it's men. And I'm not saying this because, because you know, Lakeisha, I don't play favorites. I, I call it like I said, men, women, whatever. But it's a lot of men out there saying, well, what is she doing? You know, and some people, a lot of these men with their chests out saying, well, she's letting the team down. And men don't seem to understand. And I'm not saying mental illness or the stress doesn't happen just to women. But I'm saying it just seems as though a lot of this men-driven society they don't seem to get it. And women, I, I've said this all my life, on and off the air. People get mad. I, I got brothers that get mad at me all the time. Women are tougher. I mean, you know, y'all do labor and this, that, and the other thing. We get a cut and or a headache, and we ready to shut it down. I mean, let's just be real about it, Keith, right? So, but it just the fact that she keeps going on, in the midst of this and the fact that she wants to say, you know what, I need something for myself. I've given myself for so long to so many people. Can I just take a break for myself? I'm not having a, a breakdown per se. She's not saying, and let me just quote what she said um, real quick. She said, whenever you get into a high stress situation, you kind of freak out and don't really know how to handle all these emotions, especially at the Olympic Games. She said, she told reporters Tuesday, she said, I had to focus on my mental health and not jeopardize my health and well-being, end quote. So she's, she's being stand-up, and not only that, I think, Keith, she's, 
she's giving an example. You talk about the voice. She's giving an example to people that it's okay, especially black folks like us. You know how it is taboo in our, our neighborhoods. No, don't talk about it. Just stop being crazy. You know what I'm saying? Stop stressing out. Just keep it going. You know, so for her to say it, I think is not only strong for women, for people who are going through it, but even more importantly, specifically for black people, African-Americans, that in our families, it's not really cool to have mental stress or mental illnesses. Right, exactly. And um, the other thing is, too, for her to take this time away from such a big event, which is making it to the Olympics, being a competitor in the Olympics, and for her to say this, but then also what she did, which is another awesome example is, just because she's having a difficulty doesn't mean she's not going to stand in and support the, the rest of the team. When we as people have difficulties, because we all do, it doesn't mean you have to go and shut yourself off. It just means let me step back from this extreme role or this huge piece that I have. It's even but for a little while, but I can support somebody else who's out there doing it. Because sometimes that will help you deal with your stress as well by saying let me step back and then, you are able to be a supporter of others, an encourager, or even, you know, tell someone else, hey, this is what I did to to move forward. And, you know, help someone else, just like I was just speaking about, doing something for someone else can be a huge stress reliever. And really that's what she's doing by taking herself out and then being a support. And I'm sure she's probably in the gym with them when they're practicing, giving encouragement to the other uh, women on the team. And, oh, by the way, um, her stepping aside, not hurting the team, being selfless, right, mm-hmm. not selfish, uh, they they won the silver as a team, um, and her replacement actually won the gold, the all-around. And, by the way, they, you know, those who are negative, who look at it from just a sports standpoint, by the way, she never says she's leaving to go home. She says she's taking a break. She still has some competition next week if she decides to perform. And, again, she's the the, the greatest um, going, you know, and, and all around a gym, sports men and women. So, I mean, people need to keep things in perspective. Uh, if you're just joining us, we're, we're talking uh, with uh, uh, Lakeisha uh, Vic, of course, Louis Vic, of course, of Emerging East. He's a licensed uh, uh, therapist as well on the Bassett News uh, radio show on WCOM, IPMTC, and, of course, Big Mind Entertainment. Uh, Keish, you know, you talked about and you you, you had some people that uh, emailed in and was talking about that challenge of having and developing that personal um, peace. Because that's what mm-hmm. Simone Bias wants. She wants peace. She she don't want chaos. Right. She wants her mind, her mental uh, uh, place to be stable and at peace. So can you first talk about some additional, um, you know, things to do in terms of getting that? And, uh, one person had emailed and said, you know, part of uh, getting peace of mind is identifying those areas of challenges 
and she just did. It was Simone Biles we're talking about. She she's like, whoa, the, you know, the Olympics. This is really stressful. That's that challenge that she felt she had to take a break from. She had to step away. So talk about identifying your areas of challenges that would um, cause you to have or not have peace and peace of mind. Well, the first big huge thing is to identify that there is no such thing as perfection. None of us will ever attain perfection. You are perfectly where you're supposed to be in that moment, but in the very next moment, you should be moving forward or in a whole nother place. Oftentimes, we put so much stress on, this is the perfect place I should be. This is where what I should have. This is what I should be doing. And that creates so much uh, uproar mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually for all of us that we then lose sight of whatever the real goal is, whatever we want our outcome to be. And when we lose sight of that, we do nothing but cause ourselves distress. However, what Ms. Biles did that was very awesome, an awesome visual for all of us, is to say, I know who I am. I know my abilities in this very specific time and place. I need to step back for a time, not for forever, but for a time. And that's fine. It does not take anything away from her as a person, from her as an athlete. Uh, What it does show us is that we don't have to always be on the go to do it all. That's not our purpose is to do it all. If you were supposed to do it all, you'd be the only one here doing it. So give some space and time for other people to step in. Also, we have to look at in allowing other people to take that time and space to step in and to participate, it allows them to grow, which also gives you room for growth, too, because if for nothing else, a mentor is very helpful to help someone else get to their next level, okay? So giving, giving that space to someone else gives you peace as well. So we have to, even with... Um, the other athletes that have been having some issues, one of them um, is, uh, what is it, Shikari Richardson. She had yeah. a awesome, and when I say awesome, I mean, in my eyes, unfathomable because I don't run. If you see me running, it's dangerous, so run with me. But <laughs> she had the fastest time, and she had just lost her mother, her biological mother. Right. And she, for her to get out there, because I know when I lost my mom, I was a, a cheerful person that you could say hello and I'm crying. For her to get out there and push through and push and push and push and to get such a record as that, that's awesome. But also, we have to look at the other side. If she went and she used marijuana. Now, the thing is, that could have been her coping mechanism to say, I don't know what else to do. I don't feel like I can talk to anybody right now. i got to do something really fast to try to figure out how to deal with this. But we also have to look at, with her stepping back, even though it wasn't her choice, it's giving her a place to, to get, get, be able to get to, to a peaceful place, a more peaceful place with such a loss in her life. Um, Keish, let me ask you this, because I got a couple of got some folks in Charlotte, 
and um, and um, I'm not familiar with this area code, but um, that are asking questions in in the chat room. One of which is, do we put pressure on our kids and loved ones? Um, and they says, especially in the black community, I guess, assuming they're black as well, um, with being perfect or being great or doing the right thing or trying to, to be the right, the right person um, that leads to um, some mental stress um, and not having that personal peace. And then another question came in, uh, said that, you know, what about those who um, can identify those areas because they're in the rat trap? And I'm assuming the rat trap they're saying in the chat room means, you know, they just kind of, they're just busy. They're nine to five. They're just, they're just going, 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 and they don't know how to slow down. You know, how do, how do people like that have um, personal peace and, and, and avoid those mental uh, stress situations? Okay. Well, on the first question and concerning the black community and the pressure, um, I'm just going to speak generally. Overall, with the African-American community, uh, we have all, in some instance, been told you've got to always work harder, you've got to know more, you've got to do more in order to succeed. We've all been told that. So, yes, that's a level of stress. Now, the thing that some of us did not uh, get and when we were being taught that is how to attain that without driving yourself bonkers. Um, in doing more, in... Um, having that extra push, what, what's the support? Because sometimes um, we don't tell our children, our friends, our significant others, it is okay that you are not perfect. Because with always having to do more, know more, and, and work harder than others, then that, that speaks to you have to have a level of perceived per- perfection for other people to even acknowledge you at a very basic level. And that is kind of, and I hate to say, built into the way American society has been for many, many years. At this point that we are at now, it is our time to say, if you are working harder, if you are doing more, fine, accolades to you. But to know that it is okay for you not to know everything and that you do not have to do everything you have you have the ability to say, okay, I need a break. I need a minute. I need some personal time. Everyone does. Every single person does. So as black people, uh, we need to identify we need a break. You have built up, some people have over uh, four to five weeks of vacation time built up because they never take a vacation. Take that vacation time. Because if you pass away from from work-related stress, all they're going to do is give your family that money, maybe, and find your replacement. So take that time and and spend time with you. Spend time with your family. Spend time focusing on even finding a hobby that gives you a sense of relaxation and peace. And like I said today, my new word is tranquility. I'm going to start using that more often, tranquility. Find something that that you can be tranquil with. Work will be there always. Find something else that's pleasing to you because I um, often think to myself, what do I want my legacy to be? 
I don't want my legacy to be that, you know, sun came up, she went to work, sun went down, she went to sleep. Sun came back up, she went to work. I want something else to be um, left behind for people to remember me by. So think think about life like that. As far as um, with the second question, when you're in the rat race of life and you recognize that you're in the rat race, you have the opportunity at that point through that realization to identify where can I take a break? Because we're human. We're not machines. We all need a break at some point. We need some time to do something. I encourage people all the time, especially um, if it's feasible for you, go go swimming. Go to the lake. Go, you know, I would say a cruise, but that's shut down right now. Go somewhere and explore outside of what your rat race is. That's where you get to find uh, what you identify as peace. Uh, one thing I often do is I'll go sit at the lake or I will just go outside for a walk. And that gets me away from the office, that gets me away from my phone, and that gets me away from my email so I can actually tune in to me, find out, you know, what 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 I'm feeling, what I'm actually thinking, how things are impacting me, where I would actually like to be as far as mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So being willing to cut away and take time. If that phone rings, I mean, if it's an emergency, like if you're a medical professional or something and you're on call, please answer it. But if you're not on call and it's not an emergency, it's not a life or death situation, you don't have to answer that phone or return the text or even read the text. Take time for you. I think we're so connected now, we don't understand we can take a break. You know, uh, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Lakeisha Lewis-Vick, uh, Progressive Counseling Services uh, Licensed Therapist, here on the Bachelor News Radio Show, WCOM, WCLM, IBM TV, Big Mind Entertainment, and the Bachelor News Radio Network um, dot com. Keisha, I, I got. It's funny you mentioned spiritual. We're running out of time. We've got a couple other uh, questions. And one that came in that talked about spirituality, and the question was, how does that play into your personal peace, and how do you help people who are not spiritual? Um, that want to have that personal peace. I, I, I guess what the lady is saying is, is I guess if they're maybe married or have a spouse that is not in that place or wants to be in that place or they're trying to help somebody and they're spiritually connected. I know you are. I know my my Lord and Savior, I call him Jesus Christ. So, I mean, we have those mm-hmm. those spiritualities. But so how do you, how does that play into it? How do you help someone or someone help themselves when it comes to spirituality? Well, the thing is with uh, your spirituality, there is the religious portion and there is spirituality. Um, As far as I'm a Christian, so my religious base is Christianity. My spiritual connection is with the higher being who I call God, who is Jesus' father. Um, If you don't have that belief system, that does not mean you cannot connect to a higher power. being out in nature connects you to a higher power because someone, something, 
bigger than us created all of that. Um, being able to allow yourself to identify um, how how small you are in the world and how uh, unique you are in the world and how necessary you are in the world can help a person who doesn't have a religious faith connect spiritually by connecting with other people and being in a helpful manner, uh, donating your, uh, making a donation to an, uh, an, a, a charity, uh, volunteering, that can help you spiritually connect with other people. So you don't have to have a religious affiliation necessarily to um, connect with your spiritual side. That That's just as people, we are spirits in a body. And so by, by, by putting that out there and saying, you know, I want to do that. I want to connect spiritually with nature. I want to connect spiritually with people. That, that's usually something that people have a pull uh, for from birth. They, we all want to connect with other people. So it's not just the, the religious space. Now, if you have the religious space-based uh, portion, awesome. Connect with, with your religious and faith-based focus as well. I got um, a couple of things, and I know my, my next guest, Andrew, is on the line. I appreciate you, brother, your patience. Um, a comment and a question for you, Keisha. The comment was, mm-hmm. e- even in spirituality, we are taught to be better, stronger. So I think it says the big push goes deep. I don't really know what that part of it means of what they were saying. And then the question was, is it fair to depend on others to provide your peace? Well, first and foremost, no one else can provide peace to you. That's, that's impossible. That's a big, big order to put on someone uh, to request that they provide you peace. That's something that only you can find for self, that you can define for self, and that you can walk in and maintain. As far as uh, you said something about the big push, as far as doing better. Um, yeah, spirituality. She that. said even in spirituality that, you know, we're still taught, and I'm assuming, that, um, you know, in African-American communities, that we're taught even in spirituality that we got to be stronger and push forward and push through it, whether it be through Christ or whatever your power is, your God is, or whatever. We got we, we to gotta push through it. We're better than that. We're stronger than that. Um, with that push, that push is always um, a part of life that's kind of like the, the, the driving force in, in our life for us to do better, to, to move forward. That's what gets children from uh, laying still to rolling over, from rolling over to crawling, from crawling to walking, from ro- walking to running. It's always a drive within us to do a little bit more, a little bit more. The thing is, in that push to go forward, that push does not have to be leaps and bounds. Sometimes our push to move forward can be um, maintaining where you are as far as in your feet. And then once you get that on a solid base to say, I want to go a little bit further, and that a little bit further may just be a baby step, just a baby step. Don't put so much weight on yourself that I've got to get to this certain level of peace 
or I should be at this certain level of peace by this age. Some people are in turmoil well off into their 80s, and that's because uh, they they focus so much on what people in society or family say should be the expectations for where you should be. No, you have to maintain what 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 your drive is telling you, what your what your instincts are telling you about how I'm feeling about this. Because if you get a gut feeling like I'm doing way too much right now and I need to take a break, take a break. Even if your uh, your favorite auntie or your mom or your dad say, well, no, you should be here by now. If you need a break, you need a break. Um, and that's perfectly okay because your success will come. Um, and you know what, too, Keisha, that, that, put that part of it, and I appreciate my, my next guest, but that part of it, too, and you know when you have pressure of the auntie wants you and you're supposed to be there and you you know you're tired you don't you don't feel like going to help move or help clean up or whatever the case may be in that part of that 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 um that passive uh, aggressive uh kind of mentality can lead to that stress because if you're if you don't want to say no because you're just afraid or just don't like to say no to people then that's going to build up that stress, right? Yes. It's going to build up anxiety. It's going to build up uh, wanting to not deal with that person, so it's going to limit that relationship. It's going to be more harmful than helpful. Just because you show up and you physically do something, but you don't want to be there mentally, emotionally, physically, or spiritually, that's not helping. Actually, it's actually feeding more into a toxic interaction that we talked about last week. And so you have to be really, really focused on speaking your mind, being assertive about what you want yeah. and you don't want. And the um, uh, Rachel was the one that asked about, you know, uh, is it fair to depend on others to provide your peace? She was saying it's just like depending on others to make you happy. It's, it's the same concept, right, is what she's saying. It, the, those, And I guess she's saying those who fall into that, category like if you're if you're dependent on people to make you happy then those people are going to be you're dependent on those people to make give you some form of peace and that's that's to me i'm not a therapist i've stayed at a hotel before but you know the the codependency though right keish is that you know it, it you might as well be using drugs right if you're codependent on someone you might be codependent on some substance right Right. Well, that's very true. And then also you got to look at if you give someone the power to control your peace and your happiness, then that means they have the ability to take it and run with it. So then what do you have? So when you are in control of it, you you monitor it. You maintain the health of it. You maintain the safety of it. So you don't ever give anyone control over, well, you know, you're you're my happiness or you're my peace. People will, at some point, do something that's frustrating or disappointing, and then where is your peace and happiness? It's gone out the window with whatever decision they made. Or if they choose to leave, then you're back at square zero. Anybody that knows me in the short term, long term knows the heck with that. I, I'm not no passive aggressive. You're not going to – well, anyway, I won't go <laughs> into that, you know, huh? You have to worry about that. I'm gonna get my pieces to some some kind of way, and I I love 
Simone Baez, and then my next guest is going to be talking about the Olympics and, and that in particular as well. Um, the final question for you, uh, I had a bunch of people, you know, kind of knew the, what the topic would be, and that is recognizing the symptoms of stress. I know Simone Baez says she couldn't sleep, and that's sort of mm-hmm. like the dead giveaway. Like I think even non-therapists know if you can't sleep, you got some – whether you got some temporary insomnia or something, you just can't sleep and you're worried. And that, I mean, that kind of stuff goes on, but talk about, you know, just a few of them, if you can quickly about some of the symptoms of, of, you know, that leads to where Simone said, you know what, I'm going to take a break. I don't want this mental stress. And I certainly don't want it to lead to anything even more detrimental for me. Right. Um, another thing uh, you can look at um, physically is if you have a change in your appetite, um, that's another way to identify stress. And when I say change in your appetite, either you eat more or eat less, or you start to crave certain things um, that you usually don't eat as much of, especially sugary things, sometimes chewy things, salty things, things that are crunchy. Usually crunchy things mean you have a lot of tension, and so your, your body is acting out that tension uh, by crunching down on those things that are like hard chips, like kettle chips, or things like that. I'm not saying every time you eat kettle chips, <laughs> you're, you're tense. But if you find yourself craving those things, if uh, sometimes people break out on their skin uh, due to stress, due to anxiety, so your body can respond like that. Um, if you feel like uh, things are closing in on you, not just the walls around you are closing in, but like everything at work is starting to feel like it's bearing down on you. Things at school are starting to bear down on you. Family may be bearing down on you. Then you need to identify, hey, I'm starting to get to stress or I'm in stress. What do I need to do to challenge that? When you're oscillating, um, that means that you are actively in a stressful situation. Because what your body is trying to figure out, as well as your mind, is do I need to do something to protect myself, and how do I get out of this situation? So your thoughts are racing, always trying to find a solution, which that can contribute to loss of sleep, because your mind is constantly going because it's trying to figure things out really, really quickly to get you to a place where you feel safe. Because when our bodies are in stress, we don't feel safe, so therefore nothing is, is calm. Um, some people have hair loss when they get stressed out. If you feel like, you know, my hair is thinning and I don't, you know, have that in my family or it's not hereditary, I need to figure something out. It could very well be stress, very much. Um, some people distance themselves and isolate from others when they're stressed out. Um, it's many things that um, that can happen to uh, show signs of stress. Also, if you find yourself not finishing things, that's, that's a huge sign of stress. Because some people will start a project, the stress builds up, and they say, well, I'm going to put that to the side, take a break from it, and I'm going to start another project. And they do that 12 more times. Now you have, like, 14 unfinished things, and that's even more stressful because I need to finish all 14 of these things now. And so it's, it's, it's a cycle that goes on in our in our lives every day 
and sometimes we don't pick up until we get overwhelmed in that stress. But you have to be very mindful of your day in and day out. And what what I want to do too uh, um, uh, is uh, once you give your information, your your Facebook page, I want people to go there and ask those uh, additional questions because when you look at it, uh, uh, Keisha, um, if you're and I'm guilty of this, I can wake up with an idea at three o'clock in the morning, can't go back to sleep, and it's very dangerous if you don't catch it, right? If you're not identifying those things. And you get overworked. I have children. You have children. We get overwhelmed. We get overwhelmed. We don't take that break. And then, boom, we're in it, right? And so that's why, going back to the, the original person, Simone Bias, she's like, hey, I'm in the – I mean, look, I can't do a back flip or a front flip or anything. She's in the air and says she didn't know where she was. That's scary. You're in the middle of the midst of the air. You know who you are. So the fact that she did that – uh, is big uh, for her. Big ups to her. And I think it really, uh, I think it's a really great platform for her, even unintentionally, to put that out there for people to go. You know what, man, is Simone Bias because you know we love our heroes and our and people mentors, and if she can speak up and say enough is enough for a minute, then people should yeah. be looking at that all the time. And and so what I want to do is uh, before you go. Uh, let people know uh, the show, the time, your Facebook page, how they can reach out to you because we got a, a ton of uh, calls and, and uh, texts and emails that people want to reach out with questions and comments that I don't have time to get to. So, Well, the show is Emerging Ease here on the Bachelor News Network. It's on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook. If you go to groups Look for Emerging Ease. Uh, you'll see a caricature of me. Um, feel free to drop any questions on the uh, feed, and I will answer them there. Also, you can go to Emerging Ease, all one word, at gmail.com. If you prefer to leave your uh, questions or comments there, um, I can respond to you, as well as I'll post the comment or the question on the page anonymously and give a response just in case other people have the same question. Sis, I appreciate you. You and Yoni, your other sis, we're going to get you all on and talk more about this. I, I think it's really important um, in this climate with everything that's been going on that we need to have these discussions, um, you know, um, especially in our communities. You know what I mean? So we, we, we really need to have those discussions to make sure that we're okay because of, and our, I know in my family, you know, just stop doing it. That that was the slogan. Yeah. Just stop. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, that's real. My mother, shoot, boy, you better just stop acting stupid and just shoot and whatever. So, yeah, and, and so I we need to have those, uh, those conversations. And, Keisha, I appreciate you as always. And I will talk with you off air, and we will definitely push out um, your Facebook page. And thank you so much for your time and the extended time that you were on this evening. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, uh, Keisha Lewis, uh, of course, Lakeisha Lewis-Vick, Progressive Counseling Services. Again, Emerging Ease, the Facebook page. You can check her out there. You have questions, comments. You can definitely get to her there. Uh Simone Bay, I don't give a damn what 
people think. She did the right thing and um, for her. And someone who's been pulled forever in her life as the greatest gymnast of all time, in my opinion, certainly in American history, uh, she is to, to get this break and she's doing the right thing. She didn't hurt the team, which is about, I teach my kids all the time, it's about the team, not about individuals. She didn't hurt the team, it's a good thing. So we appreciate her. I want to get to my next guest in just a bit, um, patiently, respectfully waiting on the line. I'm going to talk more about this. Um, and talk about some more of the Olympics, some soccer, and actually the NBA draft as well. Uh, Andrew Dixon will join us on the other side. It is the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, IBM TV, WCOM in uh, Chapel Hill, WCLM in Richmond, Virginia. Big Mind Entertainment. You can check us out on Amazon, Fire Stick, and Roku. Stay tuned. Increase your yields by using Conklin's Guardian Slow Release Nitrogen Additive. Guardian holds your nitrogen in the root zone where it's needed over a longer period of time. That in return can reduce your nitrogen rates. That saves you money. And whether you want it in a dry or liquid formula, Guardian helps in reducing groundwater contamination too. So save your money and be a good steward all at the same time by using Conklin's Guardian. to the show, the Bass News Radio Show on IBM TV, Big Mind Entertainment, uh, of course, WCOM in Chapel Hill, Carborough, WCLM in Richmond, Virginia, and of course, iTunes and TuneIn.com. I want to bring my next guest. He's a soccer analyst and, and writer. Uh, always good to have him on to talk that and the NBA and other topics. He is Andrew Dixon. And Andrew, my apologies for your delay, but I appreciate your patience. Always good to have you on, sir. Oh, thanks for having me on. And let me first apologize. I know I was supposed to be on a Monday and I got my times mixed up. So I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to come on and talk about the beautiful game. No, 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 no problem at all. I do want to um, ask you about Simone Baez and, and the fact that she – she made this decision. And Andrew, we see so many athletes um, that for different reasons, whether it be injury, you know, so nothing mental but physical or other reasons. In, in this case, in COVID, we see Lamar Jackson just tested positive again for COVID. So he's out in terms of NFL training uh, with the, the Ravens. But here's a, a woman that's not only being – uh, selfish about her her health. She don't want to hurt herself physically or mentally, but she's also saying, you know what? I can't help the team if my head ain't right. If I'm right. not right, I can't help this team. And in team sports, you know that's what it's about. It's about the team. And so when she does this and you see some of the 
the vile stuff online about her and, you know, suck it up and all. What, what's the big deal? This, that, and the other. But she's doing it the right way. And arguably, like I said, before she got to Tokyo, she was the greatest of all time at her sport anyway. You know, at least in, in, in American history. So, you know, uh, it, it just seems to me, Andrew, that, you know, people, some people are not getting it. She's gotten a lot of positive stuff. I will say that. And certainly on this broadcast, but but a, a, a lot of it it's it's it seems racial. I, I'm I'm always gonna call it what it is, um, but and and sexual. She's a female, um, you know. But it it just seems like she's doing the right thing. But people want to kill her, like she had this some you know sinister plan to do this to get some kind of publicity or something. Yeah, well, you got to keep in mind she doesn't owe anybody anything. Uh, she, you know, we're talking about what is she? She's representing who? The United States of America, the United States Gymnastics. You know, let's keep it. Let's keep it real. The United States Gymnastics Association uh, owed her a lot more than what she owes them. Okay, they owed her protection. They owed her from uh, uh, support, and she didn't get any of that when she was being abused by that coach, uh, whose name I'm not even going to repeat. All right, um, so. And in a greater sense, um, she has done – she did a selfless thing. She said, I had to put my pride aside, okay? And by doing that, realizing that mentally she wasn't quite right. So she not only could she have hurt herself on some of these things, but if she had not performed and, and performed as badly as she you know, really thought that she would have, not having her mental state correct – she would have hurt the team by continuing to try and stay on there. So she withdrew. The alternate came in, and they came in second. So, you know, I don't understand what the – well, I do understand it, you know, and, and we see, you know, the direction from which um, the criticism is coming from. But if you're going to put all things even, you don't really understand the type of criticism that she's getting, all right, because she did not only, as you said, uh, the best thing for her, but she did the best thing for the team. Yeah, what I would love to have seen her compete, I would have loved to see her, you know, uh, you know, really cement her legacy as the greatest gymnast of all time. You know, and gymnastics is one of those things that I watch every four years when the Olympics comes around, you know. So I was really looking forward to seeing her do what she does, you know, and, and when you see see the type of air that she gets on her floor routines, the type of difficulties that she does with the vault, you know, the type of difficult uh, maneuvers that she does on the balance beam. If you don't hit those things right, then you really can hurt yourself. I read a, a story about a Russian gymnast uh, right before the 1980 Olympics who was forced to come back early from injuries so that she would be ready for the, uh, for the 1980 Olympic Games, and she ended up, um, you know, her, I think she had a leg fracture, and she was rushed back into, uh, into training, and as she was training, she uh, under-rotated on one of, her, uh, one of her turns, hit her chin, and was a quadriplegic, a quadriplegic for the rest of her life. And the first thing she said when she realized that she was hurt Thank God I don't have to be in the Olympics. That's deep, you know. And you look at what That's Dominique really Mos- Yeah, and you look at uh, Dominic Mosino, who was on, on the 1996 Olympic team. She said that she had to go up, and she also was injured, all right? But she didn't feel like she had the power to say, no, I can't do this, you know. And she came out on Twitter and was just like – 
effusive in her praise of Simone Biles' uh, decision to withdraw, to take care of herself, and allow her teammate to come on and get the silver medal for the United States of America. So I'm, uh, again, you know, I'm... <laughs> Obviously, not, I'm not. I'm no expert on gymnastics. Certainly, wasn't what I came on to talk about. But as a sports fan, as someone who who and who's someone who loves the Olympics, and to see all of this play out, yeah, I, I think she should be commended for what she did because she a could have hurt herself and could have hurt the team even more. And so she did the right thing, in my view. Right. And uh, again, by the way, like you said, the team won silver. The person who replaced her won gold and all around, and she can come back next week and participate. She, she yes, still absolutely. has some time. She still has other stuff that she can participate in. So, so it's you know people who want to uh, criticize her again. And by the way, like you said, the most important thing that people aren't really talking about is the um, the uh, the gymnast coach that molested her um, sexually. Uh, you know um, when she was in college, and she persevered through that, Andrew. Uh, so. Right. You know, she should get credit for that. Um, I mean, the news just came out, and just one more word on that. I mean, the news just came out uh, that the FBI, uh, you know, did an investigation that they saw that, you know, there there was just an inadequate, you know, uh, protocols in place to keep this thing from happening. So you have that weighing on you. You have that, you know, coming into the Olympics where you're supposed to, you know, where you're expected to dominate everything. You're supposed to lead your team. And, you know, as I said, sometimes it just gets too much. And so she made a sensible decision in my view to withdraw but let's move on yeah <laughs> right because i mean really uh, you know the, the 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 mental people don't see it like that but the mental is like you know it's like if you're physically you're in weight training and you know you're trying to push through it and you just can't get that last rep in and you decide to take a break i mean you, right. because you just if you if you push it you feel like you're going to hurt yourself so you don't do it anyway. So the mental and the physical can go hand in hand. Uh, speaking of of women and and sports, and I'm sure you, as an attorney, saw you know the U.S. women's soccer win um, for Title Nine, uh, the fight for equal pay. I wanted to get your thoughts on this because we talked about this some time ago um, in terms of Title Nine in itself for women to get the same pay. As men, so you see this decision that comes down in the courts. You dissect that, and and if this is really a win for women in Title Nine, and if you could explain Title Nine to some of our audience who don't understand it, um, that allow them to to be somewhat, and I still think is a long way to go, somewhat on some form of a playing field, at least athletically in this position um, to get that equal pay as the men get. Because remember, we were talking about set, well, I think we were talking about tennis um, the last time we talked about this. Yeah, well, we, we when the uh, district court decision came down, I want to say it was sometime uh, in 2019 um, that that you know the whole uh, equal pay uh, issue that the United States women's national team is fighting for. Um, I, I said that there were some you know I, when that decision came down. I know it's not the popular decision, but ultimately it was the correct decision. And I think ultimately what is good, what and they have filed suit to oh, well, they haven't filed suit, but they have appealed that decision uh, to the to the circuit court um, in order to uh, try and you know get the money that they feel that they are owed. Um, 
one of the big stumbling blocks has always been, um, and, and is going to continue to be, was a how work was defined and uh, the and the the compensation. Um, and B, one of the things they're going to have difficulty overcoming is that they were offered the same type of, uh, of uh, uh, CBA that the men's national team was given, and they didn't accept that because there were other considerations that they wanted uh, put in so that they feel that they could uh, be protected. For example, you know, we've talked about the shaky status of the National Women's Soccer League. Um, it, it, this is on its third iteration now since uh, the, the World Cup win in 1999. Um, and so, but there hasn't always been a guarantee that, A, they're going to uh, recoup the same type of money in terms of salary because people aren't coming out to their games in the same amount. Um, and also, um, they wanted certain things put into their contract. For example, um, some of the, a lot of the women's national team players, they get a salary, uh, and they're they're from the uh, United States Soccer Federation. Uh, they also get things like severance pay. Pay. So if they're not if they're in the national team camp uh, set up and uh, they're not brought back, they actually get a severance package. They get maternity leave. They get compensation for that. You don't get any of that on the men's team. The only time that you actually get payment for the on the men's side is if you actually get called into camp and actually play. Um, and so the district court um, looked at that and said, hey, look, you know, you put all that together, all right, it's not exactly the same thing. And and I, I understand why the women fought for that because, again, you know, women's – the as much as, you know, they celebrate the national team on the club level, um, the men have a lot more opportunities than the women do just because of how it's – you know, just because of demographics and people just unfortunately don't come out to support women's sports the same way they do the men. The other big stumbling point is that they're wanting the same type of, uh, of, of payment for winning World Cups uh, that, you know, the men theoretically would have. Okay. But what is also clear here is that the purse for the women's uh, is not something that's controlled by the United States Soccer Federation. It's, it's controlled by FIFA, the Federation of uh, Football in, uh, Association, which is the international uh, consortium that, that controls soccer worldwide. They're the ones that set the pot. Okay, And so what they've done is they've asked for the United States Soccer Federation, hey, well, you should pay us that extra money because – you know, that, that'll make things equal. The United States Soccer Federation is like, hey, we'd do that, and we'd be bankrupt. We wouldn't be able to support anybody. Your fight isn't with us with regards to the World Cup purse. It's with FIFA. So those are the things that they're going to have to really come up with to overcome. And I remember when we talked last time, I said the way they're going to have to attack this on the circuit court level is by saying, hey, look, you know, the way the district court judge um, defined work is is erroneous, and so that's going to have to be their way of attack. And from what I've seen, they're saying that you know they, the considerations that he had um, when considering work in the definition of work was incorrect. I think that's how they're going to attack it. But um, you know, it, it's it, it's it's going to be a tough thing for them. I really do believe that. So it depends on you know who the judges, who the three you know the panel are that's going to be deciding this, and you know how they you know, interpret uh, equality and pay and things like that. So it's 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 a long haul, uh, I, I think, and it's going to be a lot more difficult. It's easy to just to say, oh, they should be paid the same because they're winning, you know. But there's a whole lot of details that went into this that people really don't understand, um, and and really 
didn't take into consideration and really aren't really aware of the history of the negotiations that went between and the United Andrew, States Soccer Federation and the women. But Andrew, does the uh, the lower courts or the the district courts and where they file those those lawsuits um, and the different courts does that based on the complexity as you're talking about? It's not just simple of okay, they're women and they men pay them the same thing. Is is the complexity of it as a somewhat of a legal mind? Is it harder or easier for them to prove their case in court because of the fact that you know it's, it's, it you broke down as you men as you said with with men and and severance pay as opposed to women when you have all those different um, dynamics in it does it make it harder lowerly in terms of the courts to prove your case or does it um, do they are they better at winning or trying to win those cases to get ultimately to the Supreme Court? How does that work for for them to prove to, to prove Title IX to prove equal pay for them? It's again, it's going to come down to it's going to come down to uh, you know how they make their arguments and really how work is going to be defined. It, I don't think the complexity is going to change from you know from the district court to the circuit court level. Um, and, and, and if it goes further than that, it's not that's not going to change. It's just a matter of how uh, how they present you know the, the legal arguments and you know ultimately how the judges decide it. You know how they interpret it. You know if they uh, if they assume that. That, you know, it's going to be, you know, they, you know, courts often say, you know, often say that, you know, their the decisions that come before them on a, on an appeal level are clothed with the uh, with the you know appearance of being correct, you know. So it's going to have to be. Uh, they have to look at it and say, was there a complete mischaracterization of the law done by the district court level that would allow us to overturn this? I don't know. I don't know that there is, you know, I don't, the facts haven't, the facts aren't going to change, you know, and it's just going to be a matter of how that law is interpreted, uh, interpreted, how that definition of work is interpreted. And I think ultimately what that's, what's going to decide, you know, how far this case goes. Yeah, I would think that, that, that you're right. I mean, it's really, and it really, uh, you know, some people too, I don't want to believe this, but I want to get to the, the women's team in the Olympics, but it, you know, some people said it, it does have something to do with the conservative or the liberal portion of the courts, even at the lower levels, not even Supreme, obviously Supreme, as you know, you understand the courts. Um, Supreme is, is is more you know presumed six three conservative, but at the lower courts you get you know based on what you get in terms of that judge, if it's conservative or not, if if that plays a part of it, they, that might not be um, a politically correct way of saying things, but does that play into the decisions? of those judges making those decisions. Even if the, the, the you you present the case and how you present it, you know, it ultimately it comes down to those those decisions. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's what the, that's what it is in every 
you know, in every case, you know, um, you know, what is the judicial, you know, outlook and, and philosophy of the judges that are viewing the case? I mean, it's it's something that you know it has to be taken into consideration. Um, I didn't, I don't really know about the, um, you know, I didn't know about the the philosophical bent of the district court judge that uh, cited the, the last decision. Um, and I don't know about, you know, the panel that's going to hear it. Um, uh, but I do know that, you know, there, those are always considerations that have to be taken into, uh, you know, be looked at um, when analyzing a decision like that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those fascinating aspects of the law. And, and, you know, that is actually my, my profession. So it's something, you know, right. I, I, I you know, take into, you know, I take great interest in. Um, and it's very rare that, you know, I get this intersection of, you know, my favorite sport and, and the law. So it's, 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 right, interesting, right, stuff. Right. it's interesting stuff right. to, to, to really kind of to, to, to analyze and kind of uh, keep an eye on. So, um, you know, I you remember, I mean, I, I correctly predicted what that last uh, decision was going to be. Um, and it's going right. to be interesting to see that you're going to be interesting to see what the arguments are uh, going forward. And how far they, you know, um, the plaintiffs take this, you know, yeah. um, how far they take it and how, how it shapes it. Like you said, it's, it's all about how you present your case. want to talk about the women's soccer team because, listen, that loss, but that, let me just backtrack and say, you know, the Sweden's been sort of their nemesis, right, um, for a while, going back um, to the World Games and everything else, like they – the World Cup, they, they've been giving the U.S. women team a problem. And I know the women, Olympic-wise, and they hadn't lost in 44 straight games or something along those lines. But the women, the, their last, I think, loss was against Sweden. The Sweden even in the World Cup gave them their toughest uh, um, problem. And when I looked at that game, I didn't even see it live. I watched it back on NBC on the recording. A lot of mistakes. You don't see a lot of mistakes with this women's team. A lot of errors. Like, they just were all over the place from the beginning. Yeah, they, they just yeah, missed they, a lot. So, go ahead. They definitely weren't at their best um, in that game. But Sweden's always been a team that's matched up with them well. Um, you know, the last uh, right. Olympic loss was them was for the United States was against Sweden back in the, um, uh, back in the uh, games, and I want to say 2012. Um I think that's what it was, but you know that was the right. famous uh, when uh, the, you know that led to that famous uh, quote by Hope Solo is that you know Sweden were a bunch of cowards and how they played. Um, you know it's it's very uh, it's you know just sometimes you get teams that just match up with you well and and they play uh, they play you even. And um, the United States didn't play at their best, but Sweden uh, did what you know I've always thought that you know you had to do against the United States is get past that midfield. All right, and really put pressure on the two center backs, and then that was Sauerbrunn and, and Dahlkamper, um, and they were consistently beat to the ball, consistently beat to uh, to, to headers that were coming in from the wings, um, and that's how they that's how they won that match. So, of course, the U.S. bounced back. They beat up on New Zealand, but everybody beats up on New Zealand because uh, they just aren't that strong of a of a team. Um, but you know they didn't really do much against Australia. I mean, that was kind of a, a pedestrian game right. um, and to, to kind of move into the quarterfinals. So, you know, it's going to pick up against the Netherlands. The Netherlands are really playing 
you know, out of all the teams in the Olympics that are still left, they uh, they are really playing good soccer, um, and, and that's really a team that you got to look out for. Um, you know, their striker Vivian uh, uh, Miadima, um, you know, scored four goals in the opening uh, game again against this overmatched Zambia side. But you know, she's really one of the better players on on the world scene. Uh, uh, Lineth uh, Berenstein is another great player for them. You know, so they really have uh, players that can match up against the United States, give the U.S. problems. Um, and, and you know, obviously they're going to be looking to avenge the uh, World Cup final from uh, two years ago, uh, which they got to the finals against the U.S. and lost. Uh, so they'll have that fresh in their minds as well. So this is going to be, you know, anybody thinks this is going to be a, a cakewalk, you know, for the United States. Um, that's just not the case. You know, they're going to, uh, they're really going to give uh, the United States a good game, and that's uh, tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. So if you want to get up early before work, go and check that one out. And plus, Andrew, real quick, I mean, even with New Zealand, they, they had the unforced errors in that game. They won. They dominated that game, obviously. But when when you look at that and, and the loss to Sweden, and, and no, you know, the, I mean, Armageddon's not happening, but does that change the bracket scenarios in terms of getting uh, to that stage and, and winning, winning an Olympic gold? Well, you know, it, it put them up against some a uh, little more difficult uh, opponents going forward. They could have gotten either uh, they could have either gotten um, the Netherlands or Brazil by finishing second in their group, you know. Um, and so, you know, I mean, Sweden ends up with Japan, who they you know should beat handily. Um, but you know the United States, they have a they can either you know if they get to the semifinals, uh, you know they're looking at either a matchup against Canada or Brazil, who are you know still very good, two very good teams. So it just makes the it makes the road a little bit more difficult for them. But you know they're still capable of winning this thing. I mean they still have you know a, a, a very potent attacking force. You know their midfield, uh, you know with Kristen Press, who you know I really think is, it really should be her team right now. Um, you know Rapponi's still got you know still got some game. Carly Lloyd is making her last stand. Uh, Tobin Heath coming off an injury, but she's you know still you know you know still one of the best players in the world. Um, so they still have this you know really good attacking force. It's the midfield, you know the two Mewis sisters, and especially Julie, uh, Julie Erst that really have to uh, really have to control the game um, and and keep the pressure off that back line. Uh, you know that Sweden game could have ended up with you know an either you know, uglier score if it wasn't for a couple of you know last ditch tackles by Crystal Dunn coming over you know from that uh, coming over from that that left side. Um, so it really could have been, um, you know, a really, really hammer, uh, hammering score, so to speak. So, you know, but the United States still, you know, they're still the favorites. You know, they're still that team that everybody's gunning for. They're still that team that everybody said, you know, if we want to win this thing, we got to go through the United States of America. So, you know, they still can win this thing. Um, but, you know, they're just going to have to work for it. There's no, you know, this is the Olympics, and this is with any sport. There's no, you don't play these games on paper. You know, you really have to get out there and show it on the field. You know, they did it. You know, at the last World Cup, you know, now they got to do it here at the Olympics, where everybody's looking to, you know, kind of get after them. Yeah, and I, I, I would, when we have you on again, I, I want to focus in um, on a minute. We're going to do that next week. But in your gut of guts, do you think the women, um, with the loss early, uh, that they still come home with the gold? Yeah, I still think they can. Uh, they, they, they're. You know, when when the chips are down, they usually are able to you know switch it on and get after it. So, um, you know, I, I I don't have doubt. I don't have 
major doubts that they'll win this thing, but you know they're just going to have to work for it like everybody else. Uh, let me just give a quick shout out to the men's team. They have just kicked off about ten minutes ago, uh, and they have oh they just had a, a couple uh, shots to save, but they were in the uh, semifinals of the Gold Cup uh, against Qatar, and uh, hopefully they're able to get through this and most likely face Mexico for the Gold Cup uh, final. Um, but uh, you know you know both men's and women's are in action, and I hope everybody gets a chance to turn in. Uh, tune in and, and, and see these games and support the U.S. Which would which would be very good if they can, if they beat Qatar and, and, and beat Mexico. I was going to get into that. Um, uh, the significance of that moving forward, the two-year, four-year um, window with that team. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, real quick, NBA draft uh, at the time of this broadcast, you know, uh, the kid from Oklahoma State is supposed to be the first pick, I guess. Um if there's one team, Andrew, that you look at uh, that needs to trade into the draft or trade up in the draft, who would that be and why? Real quick. Uh, I, Golden State, I, I think, is uh, – that's a team that, okay, maybe they'll get uh, Clay Thompson back. All right, but where they were really struggling over the last couple of years, uh, last couple of years is that you know the the quote unquote role players um, that that weren't performing at the same type of level. So they're either need to you know either trade up to or, or make some uh, make some moves to really strengthen the you know the players around Steph Curry and, and Clay Thompson and, and Draymond Green. I think that's where they really need um, that, that's where they really need to bolster. You know, it's the you know you have the superstars, but you got that you know those, those second tier players. You know the the you know the other starters and the people that come off the bench. That's where they were really effective during their uh, during their run. I, I think that's where they really need to concentrate on and, and bringing somebody in to, to shore that up. Yeah, I think it was also interesting. Just on a quick NBA note, is watching all of the uh, uh, the potential trades. I'm learning that. Uh, Lakers are trying to get Russell Westbrook uh, back to L.A., uh, where he played at UCLA. So that'll be interesting to see, you know, what package, uh, you know, the Lakers come up with uh, to to get uh, Westbrook out of D.C. Yeah, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, what um, my Sixers uh, talk about getting rid of Ben Simmons, we are the man. You and I already <laughs> – <laughs> Ooh, we all had a conversation about Ben Simmons fourth quarter. That's the only thing I can say. I've been saying for years, like Ben Roethlisberger, I'm a Steelers fan. Been saying about Ben Simmons, he needs to go. Uh, Andrew, next week, man, we're gonna set up a time. Let's talk more soccer and get your thoughts on the um, the NBA draft, sir. Appreciate you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, Andrew Dixon. Always good to have him on on the Bassett News Radio Show. Uh, on the Bass News Radio Network. Uh, we'll be uh, talking with Mike Patton, of course. Always good to have him on. I'm going to talk about the draft. I'm going to talk about uh, Aaron Rodgers getting his way or maybe not getting his way. I don't know. Uh, the NBA draft, uh, the Olympics, the men. You know, I, I, you know, the dream team is long. I was, what, 22 when the, and Mike might not have been born then, but uh, the, the dream team was, I've, you know, some time ago, and and hadn't been too many dream teams since. And as evident in this team, we'll get his thoughts on if they can win gold and other topics here on the Bachelor News Radio Show, Bachelor News Radio Network, uh, WCOM in uh, Chapel Hill, WCLM, Richmond, IBM TV, Big Mind Entertainment, and the Bachelor News Radio Network.com.
Carl Edwards here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. Do you want to make a difference? It's simple. Be responsible. Plan ahead. Designate before you celebrate. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National... to the show. We thank you for joining us. It's the Bass News Radio Show on the Bass News Radio Network. WCLM in Chapel Hill, WCLM Richmond, Virginia, IBM TV on Big Mind Entertainment and of course the Bass News Radio Network as well. Um want to bring in my guest. Always good to have him on um, on the show. This young man, of course, of SportsAwakening.com, the Nashville Voice, and touring the AFC South, among other places. He's got 17 jobs. He is Mike Patton. And, Mike, listen, first of all, I appreciate your patience on the line. Uh, Hope all went well with your daughter, and um, uh, thanks for coming on, sir. Yes, sir. Everything went well. I was uh, definitely uh, sufficient, uh, sufficiently satisfied with the information <laughs> today. Yeah, exactly. I, I got two of mine. I got to go through the same thing. So I do understand. I want to start with the Memphis-New Orleans trade first. You in Tennessee. Um, your thoughts on it, uh, number one. And then number two, the, the rumor is that um, both teams, I heard, um, are looking to do more things. Uh, New Orleans is looking specifically to to move up, and uh, a previous guest had said something about you know Golden State having two dra- uh, lottery picks, maybe moving one of those out of there. Draymond Green name has been tossed around, but your thoughts on this trade with Memphis and New Orleans? Well, I thought it was very interesting that they trade a big man for another big man when it comes to New Orleans. Uh, the biggest issue with New Orleans last year is they felt that um, <clears throat> the that the Stephen that Stephen Adams actually clogged up the middle. So what do they do? Trade for another guy that clogs up the middle. It just clogs didn't make much sense to me. <laughs> so you know, and, and Zion can't necessarily play with a guy that's going to be sitting right in the middle. So. Didn't understand that one. Uh, as far as for Memphis, it actually helps them defensively because they, it gives them more of a defensive presence, uh, as well as it also offers them a uh, a guy that doesn't need the basketball to be effective, which is a big thing for them. Now, as far as Eric Bledsoe, I've already heard that they're probably trying to get him out of there. So more than likely he won't be there. But, you know, that trade is basically a big man for a big man and a pick. That's basically all it was. Yeah, and but it, you know, with with though with with Memphis, it uh, are they looking to do more? And where are they under the cap, or are they under the cap? I mean, they're not necessarily hurting when it comes to the cap. No, that they don't have like just a boatload of room to go get this person, that person, and the other. No. Um, one thing I would say is, uh, you know, not having Justice Winslow there anymore makes. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he's he's either 
he's he's if he's not uh, at the end of his contract, he's definitely on the market, and they're trying to get rid of him. <laughs> One of the two. But uh, you know, definitely they're looking to get better. They're looking to add pieces around that actually will help. Um, you know, help accentuate John Morant and his ability. So that's the biggest thing they're looking for. Uh, primarily, maybe a a small forward to kind of fit what they do. You know, they've got Kyle Anderson there, but that isn't necessarily the type of guy that's going to be like, okay, cool, he's going to transcend this position or he's going to help do this, that, and other. He's not a, a 3 and D guy, as you would say. No. So that would be a position that I would say they probably would look to try to move up for. And as far as he's talked about Golden State, I mean, honestly, I'm, you know, if, if, if Philadelphia doesn't mess it up, he, he, uh, they, they've already traded those picks. But Philadelphia is wanting the world for Ben Simmons, and they're not necessarily going to get it. And I understand financially why they want the world, but in terms of stock-wise, I don't think they're going to get the world for Ben Simmons. Yeah, I'm going to come back to that. If you're just joining us, we talk with Mike Patton of SportsAwakening.com, National Voice, uh, touring the AFC uh, South here on the Bastion News Radio Show. Uh, uh, Mike, just just to stay with Memphis and New Orleans and to a certain degree, is you look at the West. I mean, how do you break that up? The Lakers are, are poised to win a title. Golden State, if they put it together, back to poise to win a title. You look at all those dominating teams. Dallas, if they make moves, we'll get into the stuff like that. I mean, with you know, those two teams, Memphis and New Orleans, are they making these trades for cap and future? Um, or are they making these trades for cap future? Uh, I mean, cap and now because. The West is so loaded with so many teams that they uh, some teams got two pieces. You need a third, you know. Even with Wiseman there and going to state, they get a they get a bona fide third guy with with with, with the Splash Brothers. Um, then they're they're right there with the Lakers. It, I mean, so what are you looking for um, in terms of the moves that Memphis and New Orleans are making? As far as uh, Memphis, I mean, honestly, I think they're they are looking to kind of grow and move forward and kind of be solidify themselves a little more. But the biggest thing I think that move was done for is to uh, give uh, Jaron Jackson a power forward spot back. Uh, honestly, mm. him playing at center was off, and if he can stay healthy, that will help them. Yeah, but you know, if he can't, then hey, they're having problems at that point. Um, as far as New Orleans, I mean, honestly, they're trying to uh, put uh, they're trying to put a young point guard in. They got Kyra Lewis, and they've got another young point guard too, and they're trying to get those guys in there. That's the biggest thing they were trying to do in this trade to get rid of Eric Bledsoe. They didn't need him there anymore. It didn't really help them a lot either. Um, as far as other things, though, I'm actually uh, uh, Kyle Lowry's name has been mentioned with the New Orleans Pelicans too. So. Mm-hmm. That could, that could potentially happen, you know. Of course, that'll go back. That'll backtrack on what they just told everybody about wanting to go with the young point guard too. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, as far as them moving forward to be a playoff team, if they get Kyle Lowry, then yes, they're going to be a playoff team or trying to be a playoff team. If they don't, then that means they're essentially trying to uh, just be a person that's going to build their team and continue to grow as a team. To be honest. You know, uh, just staying with the NBA, when you, you, you've you heard, yeah, Mike, and you know it better, you're closer to it than I am, 
um, you've heard the rumors about Ben Simmons. You heard about um, uh, you mentioned Kyle Lowry and and Damian Lillard's not happy in Portland. One of the things I heard earlier was uh, Damian Lillard to Philly for Ben Simmons, bunch of picks, and a couple of the players. One of uh, one of uh, which of the players are coming through would be playing defense. The reasoning by what I read was that Portland's problem is not scoring, is defense. In a Western conference that you need some guys who can defend. What's the realistic um, play on that? Both Lillard going somewhere, what do you think he goes where if he is? And then Simmons, if he's going somewhere and where he's going. So Damian Lillard, let's start there. Um, as far as Damian Lillard, uh, I've heard that trade or that talk about him going to, uh, to Philly. Because I love it. I love it, Mike. I love it, Mike, I love I it, Mike by do. the way. I do. In my estimation, <laughs> in my, I know. In my estimation, I don't think that, that happens. Uh, I just don't see that happening or them coming up with the combination of players uh, to make that happen. I just don't see it Uh you know, you, you you don't have Danny Green under contract. I think that would have helped if he was under contract for that trade to happen, but he's not. So, you know, I I, I don't know. There's too many different places where he could go. I'm just not pinpointing a place. And of course, he's playing it close to the best himself, and not as it hasn't actually announced he's going to want a trade. But we we all know he probably does. Um, as far as um, Ben Simmons. Philly is, is butchering that a lot. They probably could have had him traded by now if they weren't asking for so, for the world for him. But that's the, the thing that's going on. They're asking for the world for him, and because of that, he's still in Philly. When it's all what should evident. What should they be asking for then? What should They should at least be getting a first-round pick. The guy has well, a feeling, right? So what, what should they be asking for for him? Well, we know at least they should get a first-round pick. We know that part. But the thing is, they're asking for three or four picks and and things like that. And I'm like, okay, I understand y'all value him, but valuing him to get three or four picks and all those type of things, no, 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 no. He's not that guy. (laughs) He's not that guy where you're getting three or four picks for Ben Simmons and players and all type of things. Philly may think he is. But no, he's not that guy. Um, honestly, a couple picks, I could see that. But not three, four picks and a player and this and this and this. They're acting like Ben Simmons is like LeBron James. He's not. But, but um, um, to your point, Mike Patton, I saw something, that, and again, I, that's why I trust your word rather than what I read online. But I did see something on, on there where they, you know, they were saying the proposal was – they would get two first-rounders, a couple of late-rounders. I didn't see what year. And and um, some cash for Lillard. And then one of the players that I can't remember, it wasn't Tobias, it was someone else, um, that was going in the trade, potential pl- Probably trade. Yeah, it was because they need right because they needed some defense, so it was viable, right? So that that's their premise, and they wanted to bring in. And I mean, again, 
I mean, just from, I know you don't want to give up the farm, but Mike, as a Sixer fan, you get Lillard, you do that inside-outside game with Lillard and the big fella inside. And Tobias is still there, and you still got some of the other pieces. We got a pretty decent bench. It, I mean, that changes a whole different thing for them. Because Simmons, I mean, I, I just don't see him having the will and the wherewithal and the determination. I God bless him. I don't see him wanting to, to, to handling Philly. It's like New York. I, I just he needs to go somewhere else and start over. We've seen athletes like that, Mike, before. I think he's one of them. You bring in Lillard to Philly, that changes the whole Eastern Conference for me. It really does. Mm, I'll say this. I mean, it'll definitely help with adding that, and then you put um, you put Tobias Harris in the third score spot. So I understand that. But do I think that makes Philly the contender in the East or the or the the winner of the East? No, it puts them right there. But the thing don't is, they put don't they compete with Brooklyn with don't they compete with Brooklyn with with Lillard? Depends, depends. It all depends okay. on the role players. Because okay. the thing is, with, with that wasn't talked about much with Brooklyn last year. Look at how all their role players played, like Bruce Brown and those guys. That's why they were so successful last year. Not. Because of the star players, that the right. role players is what take you to the next level, and that's the issue that I have when talking about Philly will be right there. It all depends on the role players and the role players, the people that they bring in, because you know they're going to bring people in. Right. Um, uh, if you're just joining us, talking with Mike Patton, SportsWaking dot com, Nashville Voice, touring the ASU South. Um, here on the show, uh, Mike has the time of this broadcast, the NBA draft taking place. Um, I'm not sold on the kids from Oklahoma State. We've seen some kids that are uh, playing in the D League and all this, all these different drafts. The draft is different in the way it's product, uh, 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 introduced, and, and there's no wow people in this draft, in my opinion. So, you know, at the time of this broadcast, who's, who goes first? And who do you think needs to take full advantage of the draft, the multiple picks, um, and or especially those who are in that, that were in the, um, you know, in, in the, uh, uh, the, the early part of the draft. Not the Knicks, because they weren't even top five, but even the Golden States to have two a lot of repicks uh, in this draft. I'll tell you this. Uh, as far as uh, Cade Cunningham, yeah, he's definitely the real deal. Uh, to me, a lot of people point him out to be a taller point guard. Uh, one thing I could say, and I know this is going to be off the wall to some people, and, of course, with Detroit being in the mix, I could see him as being like a Grant, Grant Hill-esque type player. Mm. So... Yeah, so I understand where you don't have the – he doesn't wow you, but he can definitely do things like Grant Hill. So I would see him being that type of player for them, not necessarily the point guard, but being that type of guy. Um, as far as the team that should take advantage, I'll say the Knicks. The Knicks have a pick, but they could. They, From what I've been listening to, they've been kind of, kind of hee-hawing around about potentially uh, going up in the draft zone. And if they go up in the draft some and they get a player that can help them in terms of another big, perhaps like a backup big or a big you can put in there with Randall, 
something of that nature, then that creates a, uh, a surplus at a position. You could potentially move Mitchell Robinson, boom, you get you your uh, – and Mitchell Robinson can get you a piece that you need. Mm. So that could help the Knicks too. And as far as the Warriors, I mean, honestly, they wouldn't have both of these picks right now if uh, if the, uh, the the Sixers weren't asking for so much for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons would be in Oakland right now if that was the case. Yeah, and oh, I, don't I meant to see tell you that. one too. Forgot to tell you one. Uh, also, while everyone's talking about the Russell Westbrook trade, please don't forget if the Russell Westbrook trade doesn't happen. The Buddy Hill trade could possibly happen to go to the Lakers too. So that's another one that uh, they they basically been conducting both trades at the same time, both trade talks. So the trade what? with the Sacramento one would be would send uh, would send Cal Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, and I believe the the their, the Lakers pick there for Buddy Hill. Marcus in Tempe, Arizona. I guess he is definitely a Suns fan. Said. Where's Chris uh-huh. Paul going to be playing next year? Hmm. I think Chris Paul, Chris Paul will be in uh, Phoenix next year. It's just dependent upon if he picks up that option or if he uh, decides he's going to uh, opt out and get a uh, <clears throat> and get a, uh, a opt out deal. and you know get a no deal or whatever. In that in that case, that's what all it depends on. And uh, another guy to look at too, they just traded for him today. It was uh, Landry Shamit. Uh, Brooklyn Nets traded Landry Shamit to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, now the Phoenix Suns, excuse me, Brooklyn Nets have the 29th pick, and they have uh, they got Javon Carter back as well. So now the Brooklyn Nets are in the first round if you add more talent to that team. Uh, but Landry Shamit is going to help them because Landry Shamit has a relationship with Monty Williams, and he's a guy that Monty Williams wanted for that team. Great guy to have coming in off your bench, especially if he's uh, he's hitting his shots. So um, uh, Marcus was asking, you know, um, them restructuring his deal, does he have to decline the deal and then re-sign? How does that work, he said? Can't restructure deals in the NBA. The only thing you can do is uh, cut people and stretch uh, their money out, but you can't restructure deals in the NBA. So he has to either decline the option and uh, sign a new deal, or he, he basically opts in and takes it as the last year of the deal. Now, if I were him personally, thinking about it, um, you honestly can can get a big deal now. But if you go into next year, this being the last year of your deal, the TV money is getting ready to come in too. He could get even more money going into next year being a free agent, Chris Paul could, depending upon how he plays. Mm -hmm. Any stress, just to follow up on that real quick, Mike, that he ends up in in – Lakerland at all. I know his kids are still out there, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, playing with the Clippers, that somehow the Lakers work it out that he ends up in Laker uniform? I don't think he ends up in a Lakers uniform. I definitely see him uh, being in uh, in Phoenix Suns uniform. Uh, The thing is, he's the president of the Players Union, and that would actually require him to decline the option and go make less money to play for the Lakers, which you know, as the president of the Players Union, that's not necessarily what he wants to promote. Right, right. That's a great point. That's a great – that's really a great point. Even if he wanted to win a title as a Players Union rep, 
he don't want to promote that. That's an awesome point. Talking with Mike Patton here on the, on the Bass News Radio Show. Mike, just to stay on basketball, we've seen the Olympic basketball team and the women team, too, the men and women, both losing, you know, early. Um, uh, and, 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 you know, a lot of no, concerns. The it, women it, are you mean the exhibitions losing for the women team? Exhibition game, right. Okay, and then okay. the men lost. Right. Right. And right. and when you look at this this and I bring them up because both in both cases, this era of in, you know, invincibility is not there. And when you look at the men, you look at guys um that play in the NBA that are foreign players are playing all these teams. And you and I already talked about it, the size and all that kind of stuff out of bio and might be in the, the biggest big they got and Draymond, all that. So with them losing and they struggled, obviously everybody would all due respect can be Iran. They, they blow out Iran. What do you see with this team? Um, Slovenia with, uh, you know, with the, the fact that, this kid from Dallas is, is playing for them, and they're just blowing everybody out. You look at Spain, you look at Australia, and all these other teams. That is this team in a position because there's no sense of invincibility, poised to bring home the gold, or do you think based on the roster because they got the coaches, the you know the Popoviches and the Steve Kerr's and the and the Jay Wrights from college, they got all the coaches. Can this team win the gold? I think they can definitely win the gold. Here's the thing that a lot of people are forgetting. These guys, even though they may be talented or, you know, everyone giving them the slights or what they are and aren't, they have never played together. <laughs> that means a lot right. because all these other teams have played together. So that's where I think as they continue to go forward, they'll get better in terms of playing together and getting more comfortable and fluid with each other because you have people passing up shots they usually would take and overpassing trying to be a better team, trying to be a good teammate instead of just doing what you do. So, honestly, they definitely have the ability to. I think the biggest piece of this team, the biggest two pieces of this team are going to be two people you probably wouldn't think I would say. That's Drew Holiday and that's Draymond Green. Mm. Here's why. Both of those guys can pressure you uh, in terms of their positions, Drew Holiday, the entire court length if you need him. And they're both very solid defenders and good defenders. And the one thing I also think of when it comes to Draymond Green, Draymond Green is a good facilitator on the offensive end. The ball moves when he's on the floor. So those two the players right there will be keys as to how far they go, in my opinion. Yeah, and it, I mean, when you mentioned both of them, they're great, like you said, great defenders. You didn't mention Kevin Durant and some, you know, guys who just dump buckets. And Lillard was, in that loss they had, he was, I mean, he really wasn't even trying to pass. And with with Dream, uh, with uh, Kevin Durant, uh, I mean, he was trying, he was passing too much is what I meant. And then Kevin Durant yeah. getting foul trouble, that was part of it too. But uh, it's just... Uh, you know, I've, a lot of criticism has come down to older timers, I guess, Mike, that this is not the dream team. But well, how many – what the heck did you see Barkley, 
you know, uh, Carl Malone, Bird, Magic, Jordan, and all these people on one stage. It, you'll never get hall, future Hall of Famers like that at that level when you knew it, they were at that level that fast. I mean, I, I think people have been unrealistic, Mike, when they think yes. about these teams now. Right. The thing I, I have to let people know, too, is eventually you're going to see not NBA players not being on this stage. Uh, for those that aren't aware, I don't believe it'll be after – I think it'll be probably after this year. And in terms of the Olympics, you won't see NBA players on this stage. You'll see more college players and, team, and things like that. And that's across the board. That's not just with USA. That's with everybody. So – you know, that'll be an interesting dynamic that'll change things, too, because you think about now, you'll see that 16-, 17-year-old pro that's been playing like a uh, Luka Doncic. You'll see that guy playing in the Olympics, and that'll be the first time you see him. <laughs> and you'll see college players playing against him. So if, oh. if people think it's interesting now, it'll be real interesting then. Uh, Luka Doncic, by the way, uh, Nelly and Philly said, how about um, – Luka Doncic giving up Porzingis to Philly for Ben Simmons going to Dallas. That's interesting Never because happened. that. Well, <laughs> let me let me just say, let me just ask this though, real quick, because I, I get out of here. But if if it happened, then you got Simmons and Doncic. Then you can't sort of hone in on a ball handler because Luca's got to bring it up and down the court. The pressure is on him and all that, and he got to play defense, which he really doesn't. And Ben Simmons could kind of play if he can shoot off the ball in a Dallas offense and then Porzingis, which I, on the Philly side, I wouldn't want because he stays injured. But if it did happen, you got two twin towers playing on at it. So, it won't happen, but what would that look like? I guess um, Nelly was asking. Uh, honestly, that looked pretty ugly, to be honest. But uh, that would make Kristaps uh, <laughs> that make that make Christoph Porzingis a guy that'd be basically a perimeter oriented seven foot three guy. Which if that's not what you want, because he's been that for Dallas, and what has it brought you? Nothing. Right. You need him Nothing. to be inside to where he can post up. He needs to work from inside out, which that's another critique of this game that I have. But you're basically going to yep. make him into a three-point shooter, and you're going to make Embiid into a post guy that kind of somehow goes to high post, sometimes goes to low post, sometimes steps outside, which is great for his game to have that versatility, but it doesn't mesh well with uh, with uh, Porzingis at all. Yeah, and I, I, I just don't – I'm not a Porzingis guy. I won both Porzingis guy in New York. Certainly wasn't when he went to Dallas. Stays hurt, doesn't play his game. I'm with you. I want some inside. I don't want that, you know, at the top of the key. I want, um, although MB drives me crazy with some three-pointers and outside shots, I, I do like the fact that he can go out there and do it, but he is a post player. So, yeah, I've, uh, Nelly, I'm with Mike. I don't <laughs> like that trade. At all, I do think that Simmons needs to go. I've been saying that. Mike knows for a couple of years, but I, you know, we'll see what happens. Final question, Mike. Aaron Rodgers, and you know, when you look at the NFL, the NFL when I grew up was this 
sort of military way, like, you know, the the GMs run it. At Steelers in particular, you know, you get rid of them before they get worse or bad. You trade them, you cut them, whatever, and you do that. But then when you look at, you know, the quarterback position, I say Brady, Rodgers, Russell Wilson, you know, maybe four or five guys that have that, you know what, I'm going to do it my way. You're going to do it my way. And I, I can kind of get the whole Aaron Rodgers like I felt disrespected. But at the same time, Green Bay has been doing this, though, right? It, it, if, if Aaron Rodgers is surprised, then he didn't see his, you know, uh, Brett Favre end up in a Jet uniform, you know what I'm saying, or a Viking uniform, and how the Packers did things. Packers going to do things the way they do, the Steelers do it the way they do, your Titans do it the way I mean, that's the NFL so I'm not blaming him but he shouldn't be surprised that you know, the Packers are doing it so what's your thoughts on how he how he handled it, how Manager handled it, and the press conference thereafter, because like I said, I mean the dude is a bad dude, he's a Hall of Famer, we know he's got the championship so he's got it on, on his belt if he never wins another one. But NFL teams do this all the time. Matthew Stafford finished his whole put his whole career in Detroit. They never won anything. Even one with to me the argue, arguably the greatest running back of all time. And so he's now in the Rams with the Rams they have a chance to win according to, to some people. So, you know, that's the way of the game. So is Aaron Rodgers overreaching in this situation, who's who's right and who's wrong in this situation? Well, the thing is with that whole conversation, what it kind of went about was um, <clears throat> he didn't like it the way players were actually treated. He didn't say necessarily that um, those guys should have been there or anything like that. But what he did say is that he didn't like the way they were treated on their way out. Um, the thing is, you know, he's friends with those guys. And, you know, so for them to treat him a certain type of way, that's what he didn't like the most. He felt that they deserved more respect or at least something than that. And then, of course, I, I did have a conversation with someone today talking about did he ever discuss taking a pay cut in terms of uh, Aaron Rodgers to keep any of these guys. Well, the thing is, it never got there because no one ever reached out to any of these players to actually even offer them about staying. <laughs> so, you know, that's where I think his biggest thing was. Um, but, you know, he he definitely is right to be critical of them because they've been close a few times. But the thing that ended up happening was they never went and got that one guy that they needed to add to actually take them to another level. Like the first time, give you, give you, let me give you an example. The entire time he's been there, he's been there, he's been there a long time. 17 the, years, the 16 years or whatever the, it is. The biggest yeah. The biggest free agents they've got, let's see, they've got Charles uh, Charles Woodson while he was there. They got Julius Peppers, and then they also got um, they also got the Smith brothers, which is pretty recent. But think of how long a time it was from the Julius Peppers to the Smith brothers in terms of adding a, a uh, unique talent to help them. So, to me, in my opinion, I get what he's saying, not putting them in position or not wanting to push it to to get to where they need to get. So I get what he's saying because he's talking like a guy that's uh, pretty much at the end of his career. On the flip side of it, 
I get where they did what what the organization did. They they basically had a model. They stuck to it and they did what they needed to do, and they kept themselves competitive to win the championship. Um, so and both sides have their points and their things that they want to talk about, and I and I get both sides of the equation. Um, it's just I think the the respect factor I think was the issue with uh, when it comes to uh, <clears throat> when it comes to uh, to uh, Aaron Rodgers in terms of the, the guys that he was friends with and how they kind of unceremoniously sent them out the door. Yeah, the only thing is, because I agree with you, I I see both sides of it. Like, I'm a player's guy, Um, but it is a business. So what do you say to those who are um, Aaron Rodgers folks that say this is wrong? And then, again, you go back to management. If Mike Patton or L.A. Bassler work for this company, and this company has a history of getting rid of people, um, unceremoniously or whatever, but they get rid of you and you know it, then, you know, why are you upset? Again, Brett Favre, they, you know, he, you know, Brett Favre was a little, maybe a little bit different. He, he, he may have been, um, I'm sure been past his prime and he forced his hand a little bit and they forced him with the Jets and went to Vikes and all that kind of stuff. Brett Favre is still at a high level, you know, and all that. But the Packers have shown some sort of trend. So if they're showing a trend, you know, you know, you can make these demands and be upset, but should you be surprised? Because that's essentially part of what he said, was surprised I wasn't this and this. No, you shouldn't be surprised. I mean, because the Packers have shown that before you being the Hall of Fame great quarterback, the other guy before you that you were tootling under him was the great Hall of Fame before Bart Starr. So you've seen it. You had the template. So why are you surprised that they're treating you like that? And I look at the Steelers the same way. Steelers have done this with linebackers and people all the time. They've gotten rid of people, and they're going, people, fans are like, oh, my God, how do you do it? But the Steelers have been doing it forever. It's a business. That's how they do it. Green Bay's the same thing, Mike. So I don't understand why Aaron Rodgers, he could be disrespected, but the, the wow or the surprise part of it, I just don't understand. I definitely get that. Um, one thing also um, – Oh, by the way, the Lakers agreed to a deal for Russell Westbrook. It's it's official. Oh well, my well, God! So <laughs> so are, are they are they the favorites now, Mike? Got you on the phone uh, right now. Are they the favorites? I can't say they're the favorites right now because I have to see the pieces they fit around them. Because you know you're you're getting less shooting now. Because more than likely, uh, more than likely, Kentavious uh, Caldwell Pope. Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell are going to be shipped in this trade. So right. even though people even though people hate Kyle Kuzma, he still is a better shooter at three point range than Russell Westbrook is. Kuzma and, and Pope, if they lose Kobe both of them, if if they lose Kuzma and Pope, then to me it's a wash. I mean, you're gonna have yeah. you know Westbrook and AD and and LeBron, but you lose Kuzma and Pope, then it's to me is a wash. I've got the whole trade right here. It's basically the Wizards will get uh they're gonna get a two thousand 
The Wizards are going to get Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell, Pope, Montrez Harrell, the number 22 pick. Mm-hmm. The reason wow. why they were able to trade Harrell, the reason why they were able to trade Harrell is because he opted in to the $9.5 million option he had. So that's why they were able to make that trade happen. I think um, they gave us now, much. They're, they're giving up a lot, but you got to have the contracts to match. That's the thing. And I think, uh, honestly, I'm going to say it right now. I honestly think Kuzma goes back to being the guy he was before LeBron got there. Because the thing is, people people forget that Kuzma averaged about 18 points a game one year out there in L.A. And the thing was, with this trade, it puts him back in a position where he knows consistently he's going to get minutes and he's going to get shots. If he gets minutes and but, shots, he makes things happen. But is Mike Tatton saying the Lakers are the, the at the forefront of the best uh, the chance to win a title or at least be the yeah. Western Conference person, the team in the Western Conference for the NBA Finals? Definitely, they do. They are. They are there. They're right there. It just wow. like I told you with the uh, with the other teams, you got to have the the role players to fit around them. If the role players are there to fit around them, then, yes, they will be hoisting a trophy at the end of next year. Um, wow. One thing also I'll tell you, too, uh, one thing I'll also tell you, too, uh, please don't forget that uh, Dwight Howard also is saying, and it has been saying, that he's definitely wanted to come back there. So they basically could potentially get one of their twin towers they back they had last year, which would make them an athletic uh Give them the athletic center that they missed this year. Mm. The West is going to be wide the freak open, especially with we'll see what Golden State can do. That, like you said, they they're smart. They they know how to maneuver, and we'll see what they're going to do even in this draft. Like you know, with with Pope with uh, uh, Westman coming back, Wiseman coming back, and he's essentially a rookie again because he didn't play the whole year. They they keep their drafts or they get get rid of one and bring in some powerhouse. Then you look at them. Then you look at then you look at the Clippers, and then you look at I mean, the West. The, I mean, yeah. Phoenix well, now, doing what they're doing. Well, I'll tell you this. I don't know if Phoenix represents the 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 uh, Western Conference again next year. I don't think they'll be the best team in the West next year. I think I think actually, depending upon what, upon what Kawhi does and how he comes back, it could be the Clippers and the Lakers again as the two best teams in the West. Well, that, I mean that's that's a thing. But even if, like I said, even if Phoenix is not the team, the West mm-hmm. is wide open. Like with that's with great true. talent, that that that's that'll what be, I'm. It, it, yeah, definitely, definitely. They'll be uh, it'll be pretty much survival of the fittest again next year. <laughs> uh, one question that did come in, and that was yesterday. I wanted to mention with the SEC bringing in Texas and Oklahoma, and probably Texas A and M. What does that do for the Pac-12? What does that do for college football? Real quick. Well, college football, it moves it more towards super conferences, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering in my mind, uh, are they going to allow Texas to keep the Longhorn Network when they're coming into the SEC? That's a mm. question, a big question I have. They're either going to have to downgrade that or tell them to dissolve it. To be, In my opinion, that's what I think should happen. But the biggest person that I think it hurts the most out of this, Texas A&M. 
because Texas A&M probably had to be talked into making this unanimous because, you know, they heard the rumblings about them not wanting Texas there. And the reason why they left the Big 12 was because they weren't able to recruit against Texas. And when they came to the SEC, they started having, you know, historically great classes because they were away from Texas. Well, now Big Brother's coming back to join you. It's going to be interesting to see how that happens. But the thing is, it's not going to happen. As of right now, it's not going to happen until 2025. So right. they would have to pay literally $76 million apiece to get out of the Big 12 early. Plus they have to give them 18 months notice. So it's going to be interesting for the next, what, four years <laughs> to see how they are, or three or four years in the SEC, I mean in the, in the Big 12 before they make the move to the SEC. And I can guarantee you, Texas will be like, well, we're not in Kansas anymore because there's no layovers here. And the thing is, too, I mean, do they want to spend that money? Um, And then when they look at the TV contracts, like you said, I mean, I think, um, Mike, the point you're making is is spot on. Um, Texas A&M more so than Texas. And a lot of people go, well, why Texas and Oklahoma? They were the two powerhouse so well well that's like if you can't beat them join them if you're the best but you can't beat them <laughs> so you might as well join them and that's that's really what texas and oklahoma who I mean, won all the big point. 12 conferences let's give you another point on this one you also notice one thing about oklahoma that nobody's talking about oklahoma has lost one game and then been put out of the uh, been put out of the um, what is it the, um, the you know the, the championship rounds. Oh right. And mm-hmm. so you know because of their weakness of defense, right? So the thing is now taking a look at this, they joined the SEC where one team lost teams and even a two lost team has represented in the championship game. So. That's why I'm saying in my mind, that's why they're making this move. Right. That's why they're making this move. That's why it's happening. Well, good luck getting past Alabama, LSU, at least at the at yeah. the at, at the beginning, at least at two twenty-five. I mean, I, I mean, you know, those. If it's not Alabama, it's LSU or someone similar. Um, good luck in getting past that and the $76 million and all that stuff is that's going to take place. Um, let me, Mike, Let please, me also mention one ahead. other thing, if you don't mind. Sure, um, sure. The Toronto Raptors just drafted Scotty Barnes, a forward from uh, Florida State. To be honest, if I'm, if I'm Pascal Siakam, I'm looking around right now because it looks like they've, uh, to be honest, they probably are going to be looking to trade him especially with this draft pick, instead of picking a point guard. Right, especially if uh, Lowry. Right, with Lowry. Yeah, I mean, that, that, um, it, it, it makes a lot of, uh, a lot of sense. Um, Mike, uh, great, terrific insight. Before you go, please do give all the information that people need to know how to reach you, how to follow you, how to listen to you. And, man, I appreciate you as always, sir. Uh, uh, thanks for having me again. And uh, you can find me on uh, find me on Twitter at MikePatton82. Uh, also, uh, of course, you can find my show, uh, my podcast, Touring the ASC South, 
on all streaming platforms, be Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Anchor, whichever one you listen to. Um, let's see, this week uh, I had Jim Trotter from the NFL Network, and I had uh, my cousin, Quentin Patton, former NFL wide receiver and now trainer. Uh, so had him on the show. Next week it will be uh, – I'll have, uh, let's see, tight, former Titans and Oilers wide receiver Chris Sanders. And uh, I will have uh, – let's see – I will have Nashina Quick, who actually breaks stories as well as covers the Carolina Panthers. So she was the first person to talk about uh, before before Adam Schefter talked about the Deshaun Watson, the Philadelphia news that came out in July. She actually said that same news in May. So to be honest, she actually is the one that broke it, not Adam Schefter. And she broke it, and that's, I mean, that's in my camp. So, that I mean, awesome. Great insight. People, uh, folks, you, you have to understand that Mike Patton has the uh, the inside scoop, not just because of his cousin, but the fact that he, he deals uh, with the NFL and the NBA uh, and college and other outlets. And we certainly appreciate you, Mike. As always, man, God bless you. Be careful. We'll talk with you next week, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mike Patton, if you miss any part of our broadcast, make sure you go to our website. And you can listen to the rebroadcast at the T-H-E, Bachelor with a T, B-A-T-C-H-E-L-O-R, news.airtime.pro, the bachelornews.airtime.pro. Listen to the, the rebroadcast at 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern. Or follow us on Pad Nation on Facebook, Pad Nation number two. That's Pad Nation uh, number two at Twitter, LA Bachelor on Instagram. Any questions, comments, anyone who wants to advertise or uh, uh, send us any messages, send us, uh, send us at LA Bachelor 40, LA Bachelor 40, Bachelor Liberty 40 at gmail.com with your questions, your comments, your concerns, advertising, all of that on the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
Goodbye.